Well, after Dr. Winnell's sermon this morning, I now know about this spokesman club member I've always telling the spokesman club about who was to give his first speech in club. He was a very nervous individual. So the big night came for him to speak. And the Toastmaster introduced him. So he came to the lectern. He grabbed the lectern like that and he held on. And you see his knuckles were white. He said, fellow spokesman, when I came up here today, only two knew what I was going to speak on. God and me. And now that I'm up here, only God knows. <laughs> so that's why I tore these notes up. <laughs> but I preached by letter. I sing by letter and I preach by letter. That's just open your mouth and let her go. So I hope I don't say anything you have to edit out <laughs> in at all. But it is always quite a honor to be in the presence of God on this very day when God's presence is here. And you can certainly feel the presence of God. It's a high day for us, and we have a spiritual high on each high day that God has given us. And and we're very blessed to know the truth about God. So this is my 50th Feast of Trumpets. And each trumpet day, you hear more and more about God's great plan. And the trumpet gets louder and louder as we get closer to the end of this age. The end of civilization as we know it is coming to an end, as we heard again this morning. It was late August 1939, 74 years ago on a Saturday morning at 45 a.m. that German troops crossed the Polish frontier and the greatest, most destructive war in the history of mankind begun. Some of us remember that. I can faintly remember it, but I was living during World War II. And before it was finished, it had spread to the ends of the earth. 17 million soldiers, sailors, and airmen, plus 18 million non-combatants had been killed. A staggering figure of 35 million people. The United States was not prepared for that war even though they knew it was on the horizon. The world was not prepared for that war, even though people were warning them, but they weren't prepared for that at all. War is a mankind disaster. It's not God's disaster. It's man-made disaster. Earthquakes and floods come, but it's not man-made per se. And a man-made disaster, and God has allowed mankind choose his own way of life, which ends up in war. Between individuals, it can end up in war, hate, or jealousy, or killing someone. That's the end of human nature, and it's more violent today than it's ever been. That's ever been in the history of mankind, maybe except Noah's day, as we heard this morning. So the next big war that's coming, World War III, we call it sometimes, but it will end all war. That war will. Not only will it end that war for at least a thousand years when Jesus comes. He's coming to set up his kingdom in the midst of a war. And we have to be prepared to fight that battle. 
Now, when the shofar blows, it makes me want to fight. I want to fight, you see. I'm getting ready, and you should be getting ready to fight for our rightful position when He comes. Christ is going to fight for His when He comes, and we have to be ready to fight with Him. We cannot be panty-waist people. We have to have courage to stand up for what we believe. Now, one sermon after saying we might have hate speech. So what? Are we going to cry out? Spare not? Or be a coward? What if Moses, what if Paul had taken that? He spoke the truth. And people didn't like the truth. He lost his head over the truth. Imprisoned over the truth. We know the truth. We have to preserve that truth. And God has called us to preserve the truth. Life and death matter for us. We counted the cost at baptism. Counted that cost that we're willing to give up everything to follow Christ. And Christ is not a coward. Christ is not a sissy, as we heard this morning. Christ is a man's man at that time. He had leadership qualities and abilities that people wanted to follow him. He was a true leader, and people wanted to follow him in those situations. That has been said that the first assault will probably kill a billion and one-half people. The first assault. Can your minds comprehend that? A billion and a half cities destroyed, wiped out, counties wiped out. First assault. We're not prepared for that. You may think you are. You're not prepared for that. I'm not prepared for that. I've never seen anything like that before. We think sometimes it may not happen that we live in a dream world. But can you comprehend a billion and a half people killed on the first assault of that war? And no telling how many more billions are going to be killed. At that time. You think you're prepared for that? Well, sometimes we believe we're prepared for certain things. We find out we're not. You've seen that in the church. People weren't prepared for changes. People weren't prepared to be corrected. People were not prepared to open their minds to the truth. They weren't prepared for that. In the worldwide, even though we knew certain things, we weren't prepared. We weren't sure. Even though we knew it, we weren't prepared for that. So we have to be prepared for the future events that are to come on this earth. For the future events. You know, someone dies with a heart attack. We're not prepared for that. We wonder why. So young. So young. Why? We're just not prepared for a lot of things. As Amos said, prepare to meet your God. That's what he told Israel, prepare to meet your God, to stand in his judgment when he comes back to this earth. So how many of us will be ready then for the fulfillment of this day, are actually ready to take over a responsibility to live through the hell that is coming? And it's not going to be easy. See, it's not going to be easy. 
Are we prepared for the United States when people now don't trust us? We've lost a pride. We've been preaching that for how many years now? Were we prepared for it? Are we prepared as a church to realize that? It could collapse any time. Any time, then what would you do? There's no money. No food. What would you do? Say, well, God will prepare, will provide. Now, Israel of old saw the miracles that God plagued on the Egyptians. They walked through the Red Sea. Walked through that. Saw the walls. Now, were they prepared to meet God? Were they ready to meet God when God descended from above to come down to introduce Himself to a nation that would soon be His? Let's turn to back over to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19. And we've been talking about clouds and thunders and lightnings when God comes. Now we can see that one way, or we think we understand that in one way. But it's going to take courage, brethren. Courage to stand. And a lot of faith in the Word of God and what He says. When it looks bad for everybody. So here God told Israel that I'm coming down. What to do? Wash yourselves. Clean yourselves. And so they were ready, they thought, to meet God. They thought they were ready to meet Him. In verse 16, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that they were thunders, thunderings and lightnings and thick clouds on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And they were shaking in their boots at the sight they saw. See, at that sight... And Moses was fearful. He thought he was prepared at that time. But they'd never seen this God like this. See. So Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now smoke, uh, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. It smoked ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder as God descended, louder, started, and long and louder and louder, you see. For God, they were already there as God descended on that mountain. And so, and... And God answered, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. And you would have thought, well, seeing all of that, seeing all of that power, seeing the God that they served and what he could do, that they weren't, would not murmur for 40 years. Seeing is believing, people say. Well, you've got to show me. I've got to see it for myself. Well, do you believe it when you see it for yourself? Or can we forget about it 
in six months or a year. We can't recall what we saw six months from now. And we also, in Leviticus, turn to that scripture, Leviticus 23. Now, we also know that we are a nation of God, holy people, serving a holy God. And God wants us to blow that trumpet as time gets near, louder and louder and louder and louder. Louder. That that message has to be directed to what's going to happen. Louder. Not worry about what somebody else thinks. Louder. As God has commanded His church to lift up their voice like a trumpet. Prepare my people. You know, God says, prepare them for this time. To meet their God. Prepare my people for that, for that time. So in Leviticus 23, I'll read the verse again, verse 24. Speak to the children of Israel, saying in the seventh month on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You see, the people of God are all gathered together all around the earth on this day. It's togetherness. We're all together in what we believe. See, it means unity. United together in that belief that the trumpet message must be sent. United in that togetherness. Just like they were together on the day of Pentecost. Together, they lifted up their voices. Together. See, not separately. Call for a purpose. Be together in what we have to do. We must blow the trumpet together, brethren. Not separately. Together. Have our lips pressed to the trumpet. Air ready to blow louder and louder if we want to be counted worthy to escape as we heard all of these things that are coming. Preaching that kingdom of God is our salvation. Preaching that message. Tithing to that message. Giving ourselves to that message. The very kingdom we can be born into in time of war. In time of war, as Jesus had said. So I want to talk about two very important questions Christ asked concerning this day. Two very important questions. One is found in Luke chapter 18. We've read this many times, had it read to us. It has to do with this unjust judge and widow. There was a certain city, in a certain city, verse 2 of Luke 18, a judge who did not fear God, or who did not fear God, nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me, for my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, 
Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall go, and shall God not avenge his own elect? See? His elect. Are we his elect? Are we crying out like that? Are we worrying like the widow did? Crying out day and night? His own elect? See? For vengeance during that time. During that time, you see. That troubled time. The elect will be crying out and praying and begging. Begging for the return of Christ. You see. Night and day, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he avenged them speedily, but nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, really find faith on earth. Is he talking about the world? Is he talking about the elect? Which one is he talking about? Will he find faith during that time when he comes during the day of the Lord? Will people have the faith to stand or can they stand during that time of events? It's going to be terrifying, and we might as well face it according to Scriptures. A terrifying time. And so he said he will. He will avenge. Is our faith in that? Would we persevere long enough for him to do that? Or would we take matters in our own hands? Would we take the mark of the beast to save our skin? Would we betray each other? You don't really know what you'll do until that time comes. But for the elect's sake, who pray day and night, understanding what's going to happen, praying thy kingdom come, your will be done day and night, see, if I were to ask him, if you prayed this morning, your kingdom come. Your will is my will. I'm seeking your righteousness today. Now, Zephaniah, we turn to the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah. It's right after the back of, you know, where the back is. Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14. The great day of the eternal is near. Okay, it's near. We've been saying that for how many years? And years and years and years. Now, I remember back in 60 when I first heard Mr. Armstrong. It shook me. I had never heard anything like that when he started describing the tribulation period. And I wanted to see my family saved from that awful time. And I was willing to go through it myself if my family could be saved from that awful time. I was all excited. Maybe that's why I went to church. I wanted to miss the tribulation period. I don't know. I wanted to miss that. I, the way they described that, it put a tremendous fear in an individual. Their kids were taught 
respect, to listen. If you want to be accounted worthy to escape, you have to listen to your mom and dad. And mothers and dad were teaching their kids from the scriptures, preparing their families for that time. Whether or not we thought it might end in 1972, we only had a few short years. Then all of a sudden we began to lose the fear of that. We realized it's not going to happen. So we went back to our old routine. Got caught up in the cares of life. In the things of life. Things concerning the life. Because all of a sudden that fear left. And you, you see today, brethren, society that we're living in is full of cares of life to make ends meet. We don't have the money. We can't do this much longer. People get in, I care about my health. I want to be sure I eat correctly, the right foods. But I'm not quite sure about prayer life, you see. I'm not quite sure that Jesus meant to pray always. I'm not quite sure about that. So I don't pray always. Why? I don't have time. But I want to be in God's kingdom. Well, everybody does. Name me somebody that doesn't want to be. Most, uh, they think they're going to heaven, but the, they'd like to get there, wouldn't they? You name me somebody that wants to go to hell if they used to preach it. No, they went to church stay out of it until they lost the fear of it. So it's a great day is near. It is near and hastens quickly, as Doc Winnell spoke on this morning. When you least expect it. Oh, I, I know what to buy. We gotta wait for this to happen, that to happen, this to happen, that to happen. I think I'll just wait and see what happens. So when I begin to see it happen, what I'm gonna do then is turn completely to God. I'll wait to the last minute. I've got to be sure before I build any character. I've got to be absolutely sure before I quit caring for the cares of life. You know what I'm talking about. You've been around. It's easy to lose the fear of God. It's easy. It's easy not to stay here for two services. Oh, we can always find an excuse not to. You know, always. When we first started church, 9 o'clock, we'd have to get up 4.30 in the morning. Three kids. You know what that's like, parents. You try and wake up three little kids. They're crying and carrying on. You say, listen to the birds out there. Listen to them whistle. Listen. You try to get them awake. Then you get them ready. Then you travel 120 miles. Services was 9.30. Sermons for three hours. Then afternoon service. Nobody left. Why? Because God commanded the assembly. He commanded that. The assembly. Well, now we have access to the radio. Oh, we have, we can listen to it on the internet. We don't have to assemble ourselves. Never mind. They didn't have that back then, you see. They had to walk. They had to ride a mule. 
They, but we don't have to do that today. We are a special generation. So we can make all kinds of excuses if we want to. But this is a judgment day. A time of judgment. A judgment day. Now we were talking about how they all spy on America. Do you realize God has angels that know everything you do? And God knows everything you do? Can you hide from God? If you kiss someone, don't you think God knows that? You may hide from somebody. But God knows. And all those angels know. And Satan knows. I can just hear Satan now. Now here's one of your sons. Watch. Watch now. Watch. You just watch him. I told you, didn't I, God? But see, God is patient. So it is year. The day of the Lord is bitter. See why people are going bitter. Not pleasant. It is a paradox. It's one of great solemnity. One of great rejoicing. Great rejoicing for the saints of God who are praying night and day. Great solemnity on the world that's coming. Death and destruction. There the mighty men shall cry out. The leaders of nations. That day is a day of wrath. Now we're just not talking about one day. We're talking about a year. Can you imagine living a year in bitterness, great wrath, afraid in that situation? It's the day of trouble and distress, a day of visitation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Is the sun going to shine? Will the heat be terrible or cold? Now that's how Zephaniah describes that year. You see, I want to miss it. I don't want to go through it. I want the faith of Christ to help me to endure it. To help me. His faith. I don't have enough faith. His faith. So the day of trumpet... An alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the eternal. Now, a blind person can't see. See? Stumbles. No telling what he bumps into. He always has his cane out there to be sure he doesn't fall. He doesn't know where the bathroom is outside. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like refuge. And one scripture said, can you imagine a river of blood coming up the horse's bridle? A river of blood. Nobody likes to look at blood, see, up to the horse's bridle. Well, when you kill billions of people, there's a lot of blood there, see. Now, that's how it's described here. See, described that we are to prepare ourselves. Now, chapter 2. 
Gather yourselves together, verse 1. Gather together, O desirable, undesirable nation, before the decree is issued or the day passes like chaff, before the eternal's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek the eternal, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld His justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden It could be that you may be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So that's the attitude that God would be looking for in that time of anger. People seeking Him that they can be saved from the day of the Lord. They can be saved from that day where God would have mercy on them. That day to seek the, the Lord But now you see, God tells us to seek Him now with all of our hearts and minds. Seek the kingdom of God first. Seek it first. So we ask the question, is He going to find faith? Will He have people doing this? Is there a doubt? Will people be doing seeking God, like He said, to be saved from the day of the Lord? Well, we know some won't. Harden hearts, harden hearts. They know the truth. That couldn't be a God. A God like that, that's not a God of love. God of wrath and anger. Hate. Look at all the people he's killed. See, all the people. And at that time, in Abaca, turn back to Abaca. It says next page back. Chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Well, run where? Where do you run? Who reads this vision? For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And there is an appointed time, brethren, for the tribulation period. There is a set time. For the day of the Lord. A appointed time, just like the Sabbath is an appointed time, the feasts are appointed times that we know when they're coming. We all know the Day of Atonement is a week in Sabbath. We know when the Feast of Tabernacles is appointed. See? Now who's going to change it? For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright. His soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. The faith of someone else. A just will do that. So we can read a little bit about that in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Verse 30. For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine. So when is God going to take vengeance? When is it going to take vengeance? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the eternal our Lord. And again, the Lord will judge His people. 
is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We don't comprehend that. It's a fearful thing to fall into God's hands. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What if you do fall in His hands? Then what? You're full of fear. You panic. You know it's over. It's a time for mercy that you don't deserve. I don't deserve. I had my opportunity, God, but I didn't take it. I could have, but I waited too long. See, I could have. But I don't want those ministers telling me what to do. See, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. And yet God says, lift up your voice like a trumpet and prepare my people to meet me. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were treated. So, brethren, we in God's church have a chance to be participants in this time. Not spectators, but participants, you see, in the day of the Lord. Being trained for that, if we don't wait. If we live by His faith, and we believe what He says, as Dr. When they all mention this, we've got to believe what the Bible says. Take it face value for what it says. And just realize, brethren, over and over he tells what's going to happen. And it's a time like nobody's ever experienced. Young people, you've never experienced that. But you're going to be challenged. You're not going to get everything you want. You're going to get what you deserve. And I'm going to get what I deserve as well. But God has offered us an opportunity as we pray. What a blessing it is to be in His church. Okay. Then He shows, For you had compassion on me and my chains, Paul said, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Well, we never experienced that, have we? Nobody's ever taken my house from me. The police hadn't come from my house because I keep the Sabbath. My car, my bank account. They did. They never experienced that before. That was a new experience for them. As a Christian... Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. See, don't lose faith. They may take your house. They may take everything you own, but they cannot take eternal life from you. Nobody can give you eternal life except Jesus Christ. Father and mother can't. Schools can't. Jobs can't. So is it worth then to work on the Sabbath when they can't give you anything? Just threaten you? For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Look what all they were going through. 
And he says, you had need of that. You will receive the promise. Yet a little while, and he who is coming will not, will come and will not tarry. See, he's quoting that, what we just read a while ago in the Old Testament. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are not of those who draw back to destruction, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. Well, when is that soul going to be saved? At the resurrection. Salvation is at the resurrection. When Jesus comes on this day, at the seventh trumpet, then we will know, won't we? If I'm in the resurrection. If not, I'll remain dead. And I won't know that. For a thousand years. Now that's just like it is. It is sobering. This death day is a sobering time. In human history. Families. In human history. A sobering time. It's never been a time like it. As Jesus said. And understands. We understand. So Matt. Matthew 24, remember, for the elect's sake, people cut short the time. The elect, the chosen ones, well, would the elect be a part of it? What days is he going to cut short? It's the tribulation period. He comes back to save the elect. But what about the elect who are crying day and night? That's just a question. And Zephaniah... I've already read that one, so. Okay, the second question is, is found in Revelation chapter 6. First, will he find faith on earth when he comes, living by his faith, believing that he will save mankind alive, that they will not destroy the whole earth. He'll intervene. That's going to take faith during that time, tribulation time, that for that to take place in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12 and I looked and when he opened the sixth seal and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as the fig tree drops little figs when it is shaken by the mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. It's just, people, you're talking about an earthquake. I don't know if you've ever had too much to drink. (laughs) But you feel like you're just going round and round and round. You don't know where your foot, next foot's going to be. And so it's uh, it'll just be a time when everything's out of place. It shows the mighty power of God. This great God is coming back to save mankind in spite of Himself. In spite of Him. And the kings of the earth, the great men, rich men, commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountain instead of praying that God would spare them. They want the creation to save them, not the Creator 
Save me. Caves and mountains. That has to be terrifying, isn't it? When you're praying for a mountain to fall on you. Instead of Christ coming to save you. You say, what kind of mind is that? How hard can a mind be? When they see all these things happen, and know it's not natural. Why? Because the trumpet has sounded louder and louder and louder. These things are going to happen. Apparently the two witnesses will have a great plan, part of that as well. And said to the mountains, the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne from the wrath of, Lamb, of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Okay, that's the question, isn't it? Who will be able to stand? Can you? Can I stand? That's the question. Who can stand? Will he find faith? Who can stand? Is the next question. During this time, the time is coming as we began to comprehend. In Malachi, if we back to the Malachi, Malachi chapter 2. Verse 2, saying, oh, that's Malachi 2, verse 2. But who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? It's going to take a lot of faith, isn't it? Because no man can stand in the brightness. The skin just comes off of you. Eyeballs melt. Tongue melts. You read that in Zechariah 14. See, the question is, who can stand at that time? We can't stand by ourselves. We would have to have a shield. And I think we all understand Ephesians 6 tells us how to stand. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. A minister can tell you how to put it on, but he can't put it on for you. That's the decision you make. If you don't put it on, you won't be able to stand. The armor of God to protect. And we know how brilliant He is. Light. We can't even stand in the sun for very long, can we? Not the heat of the day. I remember back when I was a young boy, about 40 years ago, Say, can I? St- <laughs> I have to repent of that now. <laughs> but in the cotton fields, I don't know if you've ever been in the cotton field, in the picking cotton. It's hot. I mean, it is hot. They just bring around gallons of water to keep you going. And these old folks, I'll be glad when Gabriel blows his horn. And that's all you'd hear. Blow your horn, Gabriel. So I don't know where they got to be Gabriel blowing his horn. <laughs> But they all, that's all you would hear them say. It's so hot they couldn't stand it. And you try to find an old shade. You know, back then, you were talking about if you didn't work. You had to be in a 
filled by sun sun up. Start to work at sun up and you quit at sundown. Then you bring your mares or your mules or whatever, you feed them first. Then you would go get a glass of milk and a piece of cornbread. Then you'd take a bath. If you had a bath, you'd have you know, you had a little wash pot or something like that. I still hear my daddy up about three o'clock in the morning. You know, Morris just had to break the ice. You didn't have any hot water. But now look how soft we are today. Now they were real men and women. Now look how soft we are. Let the air conditioning go off. <laughs> or the electricity. We, I was in Harris Teeters yesterday afternoon. The electricity went off. I said, are you closing down? I said, no, electricity is off. I said, why don't you pay your electric bill? <laughs> and by that time, it came back on. <laughs> Just <laughs> but they were closing down because they were so used to electricity. They couldn't do without it. So, brethren, young people, you're so used to things, computers, iPods, and iPhones, and all of these things, and when that's all taken away from what are you going to do? Kill yourself? Well, you have nothing to live for. It's like I was teasing somebody. He said, I, I want to get out of under my parents' authority, so I'm joining the Marines. So he made a wise decision, didn't he? Because he didn't get what he wanted. He went to Marines. He never got anything. Get up, take a shower, walk, run, left, right. One, two, three, four. Salute me, boy. Maybe a lot of people need that kind of training today. But you see society, you look at your own life, what you can't do without... You just got to have it. And when you don't have it, what do you have to live for? See? What are you going to do? It's like this man who kept those, ten, those women 10 years in prison. His own house. He couldn't live with himself. How did he end up? He, ha- he hanged himself in, in prison. All of that silliness for nothing. Sin. Ruined his life. His family's life, those three ladies' lives. For what? See, for what? Why do people rob these young kids going out here at these stores and taking a chance on robbing to get a little drugs? Chances are now they're going to be shot. People are getting sick of it. Gang rapes. Running through malls. They're about to get sick of that. And people are arming themselves to no end. Being prepared for something. They know something is coming, but they don't know what. Look at the school system. Armed guards. They shut down the school in Minnesota. What, about a week? Well, we never did have an air conditioning. <laughs> they just raised the windows. Or an old pot belly stove. You see, that's how you kept warm. If you could keep warm. And you went to school, and we had to walk five miles, rain or shine, up and at them. You see, that was good for us. 
That made real boys and girls out of us. We weren't pampered. If I sass my teacher and she spanked me, she'd tell my daddy and he'd whip me. There's a difference in spanking and whipping. <laughs> you were taught to respect the law, teachers. You, you stood up when elderly people walked in the room. You didn't talk. You didn't interrupt. You waited. And those were the men and women who won World War II. Discipline, you see. Home life. Good life. Now look at us today. Can you compare yourself to that? How much pain can you stand? What can you do without? Do you panic when something goes wrong? And now washing machines, people panic, their washing machine goes out. Well, my mother never did have a washing machine. She had an old black pot every Monday. I still see the bluing. And what I was, uh, I was the ringer. She's on one side and I was on the other. Ringing, see. And I didn't want to do it. But she made me do it. See. I never did hear her complain. It's a job she had to do. And she did it. And those people come up in the resurrection, you're going to have a head start over a lot of these people here in this generation. They know what it's like. They'll be able to be taught. They didn't have our opportunity. They didn't have suits like we did. They didn't have a change of clothes every day like we do. We didn't try to stay in style. We didn't try to let Hollywood teach us how to stay in style. You didn't see any miniskirts back then. You didn't see things like that. You saw real men and women. You admired. That you looked up to. So you see why then the question is asked, who's going to be able to stand during that time? And uh, Peter was... Uh, on the day of Pentecost, he was talking about the day of Pentecost and also about the day of the Lord in chapter 2. And he spoke with a loud voice. And I don't believe he had a microphone, but if he was talking to everybody and 3,000 people came. But was Peter afraid of those people? He was until he received the power of God and the job he had to do. He had the courage to do it. He was not afraid of them. He was willing to be beaten after his Savior. He was rejoicing because he was worthy to be beaten after Jesus Christ for his name's sake. So Peter said... About that Holy Spirit coming, it shall come to pass in the last days. See, in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That didn't happen then. That was the first part of it. Where the apostles and those there received the Spirit and power of God to, to do a job. Your sons and your daughters shall pre or prophesy. You see, daughters, you're going to have a chance then, aren't you? 
Nobody's going to stop you from prophesying. That's what it says. Because the word gets louder and louder and louder for the return of Jesus Christ. So if we are kicked off, God has a plan. They can't kick God off. It's going to be finished. He has a plan. As Dr. Winnell brought out. He didn't bring this part out, but he has a plan that nobody can stop. Do you really need television for God to do his work? Well, if he does, then who's going to kick us off? Who's greater than he is? Your young men shall see visions. Some already see them, but... uh, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above. Okay, when is that talking about? And signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. You see, it's going to be preached. It grows louder and louder and louder with that kind of power that we don't have right now. That kind of power. And nobody can stop it. Oh, they may kill a few of us. So what? See? So what? They cannot take eternal life away from you or away from me. And it should come to pass that whosoever call cause of the name of the Lord shall be saved from the day of the Lord. Not salvation, the day of the Lord. Not have to go through that stuff from the saved, from it, as he's bringing out here. And showing this great power has come from the throne of God, that Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, is at the right hand of the God. He's pouring out his the Father's Spirit. And you crucified Him. I know sometimes when I counsel for baptism, I asked a person, I said, do you, or do you realize you're a murderer? That your sin killed Christ? But He took it upon Himself. Took my attitude, my sins upon Himself. And sometimes you ask a person, do you see where you're evil? Oh, no, I don't see where I'm evil. Everybody else is evil but me. It's hard to see self, isn't it? It's hard to see that in those areas. So the trumpet blows blowing. So the last... Three trumpets to be sounded on this day are called woes because they represent three major battles ending human civilization unless God intervened. As we know at each stage is so horrifying, it is called a woe. People are angry. Angry people fight. Christ will be angry and He will fight. We will be angry and we will fight. As we heard right behind Christ. Do you see yourself then as a fighter? Could you do it? Could you? 
Say, no, that would hurt my conscience. Well, we're in a battle. And we've got to fight. Eventually, when Christ says to fight, we fight. See? So the trumpet of World War III is being sounded in our lifetime. And the final trumpet announcing God's war to end all wars for a period at least a thousand years. And we are blowing, brethren, that trumpet. And that trumpet will get louder and louder and louder as we see the world events take place. As Isaiah said, lift up your voice like a trumpet. We all have to lift it up together. Like a trumpet. Prepare the people. Now, why did God choose a trumpet? Why didn't He choose a piano? A trombone? Or tuba? Can you hear Dylan playing a cuba? <laughs> Saying it's time to go? <laughs> well, why did He choose the trumpet? Well, the trumpet carries authority. See? It gives a distinct sound. There's no confusion in it at all. When it's being blown, you understand what it is. The old buglers long time ago, they had to learn at least 50 songs, 50 of them. The old soldiers had to learn what it, you know, what it means. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Verse 14, verses 7 and 8. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless that they make a distinction in that sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? See, if it's an uncertain, the message has to be clear, distinct. Not everybody is tending the day of a trumpet is blowing on the same trumpet. I'm not talking about us. Some are, have a different sound. It's a different sound. So I want you to hear the sound of a trumpet and see if you understand what is being played. I'm going to ask Dylan to... Now, some are blowing on that trumpet, but the work is dead. Ambassador College is dead, really. They're bearing the college. And some are blowing that, tr- that trumpet. The work is over. The work is dead. The work is finished. Or if Dr. Meredith dies, it's over. See, that's the trumpet. You don't want to be blowing on that trumpet. You can't find a reveille or recall. If you hear that sound, what would you do? 
Okay, one more. You know what that is. Now that's the trumpet we're blowing. You see the sensation you get from that? It's charge. Go forward. I remember when I was uh, used to work in a theater, when I was a young man on Saturdays, they hired me to take out dead cowboys. Because <laughs> you had a lot of them on Saturdays. But anyway, they'd have that old soldiers, you know, they'd all lined up those swords out and that guy would be playing that. You'd just, you'd just be jumping and yelling, get those enemies, get those enemies. So that's the charge we want. That's what we have to blow. We have to blow that charge. Charge! Don't go, don't stand still, go forward! And nothing should stop us. Nothing. So that's a distinction. Let me just recap here. Let's notice what happens before the seventh trumpet is sounded. The two witnesses have finished their work and are murdered by the beast. You read that in Revelation chapter 7. Jesus is now ready to be crowned and return. He cannot return until He is crowned and given the authority and judgment by His, uh, what we call the Ancient of Days. Turn to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7, verse 13. Verse 13, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And then he was given dominion and glory and the kingdom, and all the peoples and nations and languages should serve him. Okay, he was ordained, he was given that. He had qualified for that, but he can't come until the Father crowns him as king of kings and gives him that judgment and he will come right before the seventh trumpet is sounded that ready to come. So judgment is given and Jesus said he was going back to receive a crown, which he did, and he's going to come back with many crowns, a diadem, small crowns, to give us our crown. When did that happen? At the, re- at the resurrection our small crowns, small offices will be given to us. And that's why we are warned, let no man take that crown from you. You've got to fight to keep that crown. Let no one tempt you to sin. If they do, they don't care for you anyway. Anybody tries to tempt you to sin, they don't care for you. Don't let anybody take that crown from you. Don't give it up. Oh, you might have a little petty scripture that you don't understand. But don't give up the crown for that. And Jesus is coming. He's going to be given that and He's going to share that with us. Think about that. You're chosen for that purpose. Will I find faith? And who will stand? Those are the two keys. Do you have the faith to stand? Will you stand? Can you stand? 
You can't stand for somebody else. You can't stand for your wife. You can't stand for your kids. It's you and me. We have to stand. Everlasting dominion, which is being set up during war. The kingdom of God, which shall not pass away, and His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. You cannot destroy that kingdom, that army. The army of angels, you cannot destroy, who will be guarding that kingdom as well. Cannot be destroyed. And so it shows here, right before Christ comes, He's going to be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is qualified for that. But He has been crowned yet for that. And He's waiting on us, His called out ones by the Father, to give us also crowns, small crowns in comparison to His. So we have to understand that Paul in Second Timothy 4 understood that he had a crown of righteousness. Did God give him that crown? Did God tell him that was going to be his crown? The crown of righteousness? Second Timothy 4. And they were turned away their ears from the truth. He's talking about Dr. Winnell read some of that this morning. That they will not endure sound doctrine. Why? They don't have the faith. And they can't stand on what they do know. They don't have the faith to stand. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, which... But you be watchful in all things. And there again is this watching, as we heard in the sermon after and the sermon this morning. We've got to watch. Watch self. Not only we watch world conditions, we watch self. See? And not let self get out of line. People know, brethren, what the world is like. They know what Satan is like, but they don't know what they are like. So it takes a Savior to come into us to save us from what we don't see. We don't see vanity and pride and all of these things. We don't see that in ourselves. And when we're corrected, we get mad. But you talk about how evil the world is, you don't get mad. Talk about how evil Satan is, you don't get mad. It's only you because you can't see yourself. So we need a Savior to save us from ourselves. In those situations. Because you've got this. Uh, the, they can't endure sound doctrine. They don't see that. That the vanity. The pride. Just put a shield over my face. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. So Paul kept saying here. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. In the time of my departure is at hand, I have fought a good fight, and I have finished the race and kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day when he returns, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. Those who are praying, not in day, you be counted worthy. Send the kingdom of God. 
The only thing is straighten out this mess that we're in. We cannot straighten out. We can talk about lesbians and homosexuals and marriage, but we can't do a thing about it. Only the kingdom of God can do it. His kingdom can do it. We hate it, but we can't do anything about it. Now, you see. So he said, it's laid up for him and not to all who loves, loved his, loved his appearance. Loved his appearing. So we have to love, we have to want it, desire it. Our crowned, see, that, that we're offered. And so I hope all of us can understand why that Paul said, or I'm sorry, that John said, let no man take your crown. Don't let anybody take it from you. Be kind and gentle, but don't let someone take your crown. Don't let someone tempt you in leaving the church. Don't let someone talk to you about a minister. Don't allow it for your sake. See, for your sake. And that will help you. So what a wonderful future we have waiting for us. If he finds faith and we're able to stand. So let's keep praying that God will let us stand, have the faith to finish the fight that he's given us to do.